Hello, you guys, and welcome back to The Lively Pod with your host, Lauren Elizabeth. I'm so excited to be recording this special edition episode for Valentine's Day where we talk all about healthy relationships. But another reason I'm super excited for this episode is because we have the first guest on The Lively Pod. Will Lane has graciously agreed to record this podcast with me. For those of you who don't know, Will is my boyfriend, and I'm so excited to have him on. Hey, guys. Uh, Thanks for having me on, Lauren. And uh, I'm honored to be your first guest on The Lively Pod, and I'm really excited for this episode. Yeah, I'm so glad you said yes to coming on and to talking openly about our relationship. And so... In honor of Valentine's Day, we wanted to talk all about healthy relationships and ways to cultivate stronger relationships, both romantically and platonic. For those of you who don't know us, a brief introduction is that we met in high school and started dating fall semester freshman year. We now both go to William & Mary in Williamsburg, Virginia, and plan to move in together over the summer as he begins his adventure into medical school. Together in a relationship, we've always had a lot of open discussions specifically about health, and one of the topics that comes up often is how to develop and cultivate a healthy relationship. We wanted to add in a little disclaimer here at the beginning where we state that this is just a few of the aspects that we believe make up a healthy relationship, and it's just one perspective on the topic. I believe that there are many ways to have a strong relationship with another person, But this episode is devoted to telling you guys how we have come to value our relationship after seven plus years of dating. So with that being said, let's go ahead and dive into what Will and I believe makes up a healthy relationship. So over the years, Will and I at some point developed what we call the four C's which describe really, really well what we deem important parts of our healthy relationship, communication, compassion, confidence, and compromise. I love the fact that we still talk and reference the four C's because I'm pretty sure the first time that we mentioned this, we were like just started dating in high school and I jokingly made a comment about them. And then like afterwards, we just kind of like kept referencing them and like being like wow these are actually like perfect like they actually work really well for relationships and so it's been kind of our go-to advice now for years um i even used the four c's in a sorority presentation to describe the relationships that we want to develop with new and current members to foster a deeper sense of community and so they honestly have proven to be very, very useful over the years, which is funny since it was a mere coincidence in some random high school conversation. So when Will and I were kind of talking about what we wanted to include in this episode, we really wanted to hone in on these four characteristics of our relationship. And so we're going to kind of take a deep dive into each one. And then at the end of the episode, we are going to go through a fun Q&A. So for those of you who follow Let Us Be Lively on Instagram, I put up a question box the other day asking you to ask any relationship questions, advice questions for either one of us. And y'all asked a bunch of really good questions. So make sure to stay tuned in until the end where we get into some of your all's questions about relationships. 
But with that being said, we're going to jump right into the first of the four C's, which is confidence. So this is so, so, so important in a relationship because in my opinion, you can't rely on someone else to love you if you don't love yourself first. If you're relying on someone else to love you, it puts immense amount of pressure on them. I've gone through periods where I've struggled with negative spirals, and I can tell you it takes a toll on Will. Versus when I'm in a more healthy mental state, I'm putting in the work on myself and more. I can really tell we're a happier couple because our love goes into loving our relationship and loving him rather than being in a need state of needing him to love me. Because, sorry, Will, but I don't need you to love me, but I do highly value it and enjoy it. I can love myself enough to be happy, but I allow our love to heighten my sense of self-love, to heighten my sense of the amount of love I feel in my life, rather than being the only source. And I can respect that. I mean, I couldn't have said it any better. You know, you don't do this much anymore, but you used to kind of get into these loops, like you said, of like self-doubt and putting yourself down. And it really does take a toll on me. I'll be honest as like, a, as your partner, because all I want for you is to see what I see, which is, you know, perfection. I, you know, I, <laughs> I absolutely adore you. So that's exactly how I want you to feel all the time. But do you remember what I say when you have these little like doubts in your appearance or performance? Oh, yes. You say very often confidence is key. Exactly. Confidence is key. Yeah, I did honestly have a lot of those moments of crippling self-doubt and negativity, and I honestly still do. It's something I've had to work on and still continue to work on. But one of the biggest things that helps pull me out of those moments is reminding myself that I can choose self-confidence instead. It's hard. Like, don't get me wrong. But I know confidence will help everything from just holding a proud posture to being kind to you and those around me throughout the day. Those little reminders that you give me to that you love my confidence is just as important to me as you telling me that you think I'm beautiful or smart because it's something that I know I can choose and it's a part of my attitude and a part of who I am. And so it's that little moment of knowing that you value my confidence, I value my confidence, that makes me happy and it like makes me continue to choose that every day. Yeah, I mean, confidence is sexy. I mean, we'll just say it how it is. I mean, when someone, you can kind of tell when someone holds themselves, not necessarily a, a cocky manner, because, you know, cockiness is one thing, but there, it's a definite benefit to be confident in what you do and what you wear and what you make of your life and the choices that you, you know, choose to do each and every day. And, but th this goes beyond romantic relationships, of course. And it, you know, confidence works as confidence works its way into all aspects of life and different relationships, whether it's sports or work, or family, friends, all are made better. And at least in my opinion, I think in yours as well, Lauren, mm -hmm. uh, when you have confidence. Yeah, no. And that's a really good point is that it carries over into all different types of relationships. It expands into whatever career you want to go into, your family relationships, and just being confident in yourself allows others to be confident in your abilities. It allows others to be confident that you're someone that they can confide in. 
And so just whatever relationships you're building, romantic or not, it's such an important piece of it. You know what else I think is a big part of confidence in relationships? Independence, which might sound a little odd. No, yeah, that's a huge part of confidence. Independence in a healthy relationship is vital to being able to support yourself. You, It's like that saying, you can't fill others' cups from an empty cup yourself. So independence for us, like we both have our own hobbies. We have our own passions. We don't mind spending time apart, which might sound funny given that we have always lived very close to one another. But throughout the day, we live very different lives. And it strengthens our relationship by giving us things to talk about, sharing unique perspectives. And again, not relying on one another for activities of daily living, but rather being able to enjoy each other's company while we're together and being okay on our, on our own when we're apart. Yeah. And I, I don't mean to be that guy, except I... I guess I like to play devil's advocate often with you. Yeah. <laughs> but honestly, you never know what's going to happen in a relationship. And honestly, you, you don't know what life might throw at you, the bends in the road that you might encounter. And so, you know, for example, I, I used to worry a ton about what we do in medical school because I've ha- kind of had a set plan for a couple years now. Well, you've been figuring things out. You know, you had some ideas and they changed, which is completely normal. But for me, I had to watch as you took this independent journey because although I could put my, you know, give you my opinions and provide some input, it was really something that you had to decide to make, you know, you happy in the years to come. And so it's been super nice to see you develop independently and professionally because now that I know we're both going to go into the future, both super strong on our own, which I think will then make us strong together. Yeah, definitely. I haven't chosen a typical career path, but even in my independence, you've supported me through each of my different career ventures. I think that's also another point to make about independence and confidence is just because I value having my own career, having confidence in myself, etc. It's equally important that you support me through my endeavors, just as I support your choice to go to med school, for example. So support can look like giving you time to study in the library or picking up food while you're super stressed about the MCAT or you coming on the podcast to make this episode with me showing your support through my different ventures. So we both help the other cultivate their self-confidence and independence by being there and having an understanding of what our goals are as a couple, but also respecting our goals individually and doing whatever we can to support the other through those goals and help them achieve them on their own. Yeah, that's perfectly put. And don't forget, uh, I took some of those Instagram photos as well, so you got to give me some photo credit. True, true. Um, So that was kind of what we deemed the most important parts about confidence is like really valuing the self-confidence to give that sexy appeal of confidence in a relationship, but also being confident in yourself enough to be independent so that you can come together and strengthen the relationship through your individual choices in life. As we transition now to the second C, which is communication, this is one that we hold near and dear to our hearts because it is something that we have done since day one. Will, I will honestly say, is my very best friend, and we tell each other everything. 
we have hard conversations about feelings, things the other has said or done, tones of voice, etc., in hopes to catch these moments before they might spiral out of hand. And I'm a firm believer that Will, although he can read a lot of my body language by now, he cannot read my mind. He doesn't always know when something has hurt my feelings or got under my skin. He needs me to voice that to him and so he can clarify or we can talk about it if we don't see eye to eye. And so this communication part, which is obviously talking daily to each other and one another about what we've been doing, can build that trust component, but it can also help so, so much in the little arguments or disagreements over the years where they just blow over in a day or two because we always try to be open with one another and ask when we sense something is off or we just got our feelings slightly hurt. Yeah, I know exactly. But, um, but seriously, for me, communication might be the most important and my favorite of the four C's. And I think it's because, like you said, we have been so open with each other since day one that it's really allowed things to go super smooth for us. And I mean, we've both seen it go wrong in different relationships, whether it's romantic, platonic, um, occupational, whatever it might be. We've seen it go wrong so many times throughout the years, which is, of course, sad, but it's also really allowed us to cherish what we have. And uh, that's like one of my favorite things about us. And that's like what I tell everybody when they ask me, like, how have you done it for seven years? Or like, what makes you and Lauren so strong? I'm always like, it's communication, which I think is super healthy. And, uh, you know, without getting too much into politics or sports or some long winded tangent, there's something to be said about being able to communicate to other people, regardless, like I said, of whether they're a loved one, a coworker, a friend, or even just a stranger, right? I mean, like, Communication is a crucial skill and something that can really nourish relationships in all aspects of your life. I completely agree. I also don't think you have to be outgoing or an extrovert to be good in communication, especially when building relationships. I feel like some people say that they're quiet, so they don't really like to talk about personal things with their significant other. But I would say that gives you even more of a reason to find someone you feel confident and comfortable around to tell things to. We all have intricate and exciting thoughts and finding a person, friend, or partner that you can share those thoughts and ideas with is exciting and can help provide an outlet for your communication skills to get better and better. I've definitely learned the value of word choice through listening to Will when he tells me something upset him and I might not have had any idea that I said it and so Just also taking the communication that you have with people daily as a learning experience and just seeing how your words affect others and then taking mental note of that when moving forward is just, I feel like, how you develop this skill, how you develop communication. Because trust me, our communication was much different with each other in freshman year of high school when we were At least I was a very nervous little freshman and hadn't had a boyfriend before. So like it was all new. But through paying attention to him, being a good listener and seeing how my words changed his viewpoints, his thoughts, his opinions, it's such an impactful thing. And so it's definitely something to value. But also, I don't think anyone has this skill perfected. So just know that it will be a daily thing. 
that you work on to get better and better at with significant others, with family members. This is a huge one in family, um, with friendships, coworkers, et cetera. Yeah, no, I think it's been interesting to see how like reflecting on communication, because I definitely feel like I've noticed over the past few years that although like I'll say something just kind of blatant or straightforward in my head that using tone and body language and maybe just, you know, the lack of using more colorful language or emotional language that things come across differently when I'm just trying to state a, a simple statement and it comes off differently just because of the way different people interpret things. And so that's something I've had to learn is to be more open with you because I definitely think that it's taken me a while to be, like you said, comfortable and confident about telling you things about like my emotional state. But like you said, it definitely has been as I've tried to be more open, you know, something that I've tried to work on myself, doing a little bit of a self uh, alteration and adaptation, you know, I definitely feel like we've gotten better and more stronger because I've been able to be more open with you. And I think, you know, you've said to me, you appreciate it when I am open with you about stuff that, you know, four years ago, three years ago, even maybe two years ago, I just kind of kept myself and buried it down. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like this also gets into a point where I'm sure you guys have heard about the five love languages and how people receive and give love in different, different ways. And so you can have a partner who has a completely different love language than you, and you have to learn to love them in the way that they understand love or the way that they want to receive love. And so you might have to change compared to how you think love is. And so I think this ties really well in with communication because I don't think there's one way to communicate. I think that people have tons and tons of different ways to communicate or they like being communicated to or about, et cetera. And so figuring out how your partner likes to talk about the deep stuff, like, do they like to do it in private at night or like do they have these open conversations a lot better over the phone or over text where they can write it out and really think about what their word choice is and so it's just like finding and respecting how your partner likes to communicate is also a big part of it just like you find ways that they feel loved and you give them love through their love language you have to give them their communication through their best communication pathway and they should do the same for you so now transitioning to the third c we're going to talk a little bit about compromise so something that i've always noticed in peer relationships is the idea of compromise and a lot of relationships that i and we have seen dissolve over the years have little to no compromise and and just remember this is not just romantic ones of course i mean we've seen i mean how many friendships have we seen from high school or uh, early uh, undergrad or college that we've like seen this happen to where compromise doesn't happen and they just disintegrate yeah definitely will and i both strongly believe that a relationship requires work it is not something that just happens and goes smoothly all the time. We put in the effort to our relationship and we definitely choose love every single day. That's something that I heard once and I will never forget it because I think it's so true where love is a choice. You choose to love somebody. 
Like, I feel like everyone gets asked the question, oh, how do you know you're in love? And while it is a feeling and it's such an amazing feeling, it's also a choice that you make. You can choose to love somebody. And so it's something that we work towards every single day. We also realize in this that we both can't always have what we want all the time. We have items that we disagree on or things that we want to do differently than the other person. And that's totally okay. We are two completely different human beings. And we use the strong communication system we have built to talk about the two sides. We talk about why we value it and then we compromise on it. Sometimes I do what he wants and sometimes he gives into my ideas. I think it's really, really unhealthy when you see a one-sided relationship where it's clear that one member of the relationship has to get their way every single time and they're mad at the other person for not agreeing with them or they just completely disregard the other person in the relationship because it's not how they see the world. In a relationship, you're working as a team. You're not working against each other. I mean, compromises can be difficult, though. I mean... Yeah, definitely. And and not just in the sense that the end products can be difficult, but also the process. Because at least for us, I, you know, I'm a little stubborn. And so sometimes I drag my feet on uh, certain things and eventually give in, which I can imagine is tough for Lauren. And so I feel like if you have someone or a similar relationship with someone where you know that they kind of, you know, drag their feet or a little stubborn, but then come around you should realize as the person who is stubborn or dragging your feet all the time that perhaps even when they get their way and then you get your way, but it's a lot easier, it can still kind of feel one-sided. So, you know, compromises aren't just simple tally marks on either side. You have to realize, you know, the scope of the compromise. And, you know, sometimes I decide that by compromising with her, I'm also kind of winning because I make her happy and it makes me happy. And so there's definitely different ways to look at compromising with one another. Yeah. And that's a really good point about like feeling happy in the compromise too. It's like, it's not, oh, I won, you lose. Like that's not a compromise. It's seeing the other person's point of view and respecting that opinion in the other person and knowing that it's the right decision for them and you want to be a part of it with them. Yeah, I mean, because even if you compromise with someone, if you're still, like, unhappy, like, if you're just like, sure, yeah, I got my way last time, you get your way this time, that's and it's toxic in itself. And so it's not just compromising, it's also, like, being willing to compromise. I, you know, you have to want to compromise. Yeah, and this is something you talk about in goal setting a lot, but it's, like, establishing a why behind it because when you establish a why behind your goals, it motivates you. It gives you that center ground to propel you forward because obviously motivation won't last. And so you need to have the self-discipline, but you also need to have something to come back to as to why you are doing it. Because if there's no why behind it, you're not going to do it. And like, as soon as something else comes up, you're going to go a different direction. And so I think it's important here when you're trying to talk about something that you disagree on, you have to state the whys for both sides because maybe I tell Will that "Mm, I don't really want to go do this, but he has such a good why for why we should go and do that event or something that I'm like, you know what? Like, 
that's a really good point and I think we should do it like I think we should do it as a couple I think it'd be fun and so it can help you make that decision rather than just going back and forth being like I don't want to go I want to go I don't want to go I want to go because that you, you don't get anywhere you know yeah yeah um, but yeah, kind of tying back into what Will was saying earlier about compromise is they're definitely, I didn't mean to make it sound like they're a fast, quick decision all the time. It's not like, it's like, oh yeah, you had a compromise last time. So I'll compromise for you this time. It's not easy. And sometimes it takes a lot of time. It's a running joke in the Lane family that Will, like his father, is a no, 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 yes kind of guy. So sometimes I have to ask a few times and explain my why in a few different ways for him to come around to my idea. It's not that Will isn't willing to compromise for me. Sometimes he just needs a little time to think about the reasoning and how it will affect our plans before he commits. One of the things I love most about Will is that he always keeps his commitments and he never goes back on a promise he's made to someone. So it means that he's a little bit more reserved when agreeing to commitments because if he says yes, it will 100% be happening. And so sometimes compromises just take a little bit more time. Yeah, I completely agree that it's a difficult thing, especially for young people. I mean, at least what I've seen is that young people or young couples often focus on like a single aspect or characteristic about someone and then develop this like whole narrative around it and you know like oh because we have differing opinions on this one thing we can't work out we can't be friends we can't date and you know there's a certain you know part of me that's just like hey like maybe you should compromise and say like okay so this one thing bothers me but like maybe the the rest of the person will make you extremely happy and so maybe you just need a little bit of the other c's maybe you need a little communication or a little confidence that just because you guys differ on one thing doesn't mean the rest of the relationship won't work. Absolutely. And I think that's an interesting point that you brought up about it being like young people specifically, which like this is a time in our lives where we're developing our own thoughts and our own personal narratives. But I feel like it's, sometimes people lose sight of the fact that everyone else around them is also working to find their unique voices and that it's okay to have those different opinions. Again, you're in a relationship with another human who has complex thoughts and views about themselves, about the world, and you have to work with them, compromise, and allow your relationship to be healthy for the two of you, not just convenient for you by making the other person bend to all of your points and views. I do want to add a disclaimer here, though, that if it is one of your core values or is something that you feel super strongly about and they're making you feel not valid in your thoughts and your opinions and as though those don't carry any weight I don't think that's healthy I do think that is a toxic relationship they need to value your opinion they need to accept your opinion and if it is something that is deeply rooted in who you are and it's something that the other person can't move past, it may be time to move on from that relationship, which is a really, really hard thing to do. But I do want to throw that in there because you can't compromise on everything and you can't compromise on all your thoughts and opinions if they really do matter to you. And so just be careful when you go too far. Dare we say red flags 
Red flags, <laughs> yes. If too many red flags, you gotta be careful. Then that Don't could be a whole nother yeah. topic. Wait, we talking about our red flags. Anyway, we're gonna move on to the last of the four C's. So talking all about compassion. So we couldn't record a relationship podcast without getting into a little bit of the lovey-dovey material, but compassion for us manifests in so many ways whether it be intimacy holding hands hugs compassionate words and letters or just coming up with new ways to tell or show our love for one another both will and i are very high in physical touch on the love language spectrum and so showing each other our love and commitment through physical touch like cuddling and kissing is important to us But this is also about showing compassion towards each other when one of us is having a bad day and just needs a little extra support, whether that be kind words, somebody to just listen to you and be heard. That is a huge one that you can be showing compassion to somebody by just merely being there for them, being that shoulder for them to cry on or vent to. And and this goes to like your friendships too. I mean, like, you know, I'm a guy, but I love my uh, roommates and you know, I'm always there for them if they need to talk and they're there for me if I need to talk. And, you know, I think uh, one of the guys that I live with now, I lived with sophomore year and I don't know what had happened, but he saw me shed a few tears. And, you know, some people can, you know, make fun of you for that or like see it as a sign of weakness. But I remember he was there for me. And so that was a big, you know, big, big part of that relationship that made it strong for us. And that's what, you know, why we still live together junior and senior year he's one of my best friends but uh yeah he was there for me and so it's really important you know for all types of relationships to show compassion to people because everybody needs a little love and you know doesn't have to be intimate or you know love is has many forms just like Lauren was saying and and that's why I think this last C is so complex because you know just talking about Lauren and I over the seven years we've changed so much and the definition of compassion has changed with that. I mean, Lauren's always, always been a big hugger. You know, she loves hugs and asks me for hugs all the time, which. Oh, yes. I'm a firm believer of the power of a hug. So, But I, I feel like, you know, over these seven years, we've collected all these different ways to show love to each other. You know, even when I'm not able to give you uh, flowers in person or a hug, maybe I send you a, a song from Spotify that makes me think of you. Or maybe you show it to me by sitting in the library, even though you hate the building and I haven't seen you all day because I've been in the building for, you know, nine hours. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Like we've built this toolkit of ways to show each other compassion. And due to our communication and compromise, I'm able to show Will I love him by being there, even if I don't like studying in the library very much. It almost means more to him that I choose to study in a place that I wouldn't necessarily choose on my own solely because I want to be there for him. I want to support him and just spend time with him. So it's amazing to me how much showing compassion can change a situation or turn around a day. Even other relationships, just a simple compliment or an act of kindness can completely turn around someone else's day. And it only takes a little effort from me or a little bit of my time. We all need love and connection, so using your compassion towards others or your partner can make a world of a difference in your attitude and relationships. 
So you guys, those are the four C's and those are exactly what we believe have led to our healthy relationships for the two of us. These are things that we have worked on over and over the years and we continually pour our efforts into making our relationship work. We have grown so much and yet these core values of our relationship have never changed. We hope that by sharing them with you that you can begin to cultivate healthier relationship in your lives and use these values to give you ideas on how you can improve existing relationships. Our relationship is definitely not perfect. Please, please, please do not think that. We have arguments. We hurt each other's feelings, but we choose to love each other and we use these tools to make our relationship stronger and love one another through whatever life throws our way. So I want to transition now, exciting, to a little Q&A. As I said in the beginning, I put up a question box on my Instagram stories asking you all what questions you wanted us to answer about relationships. So we're going to go ahead and jump right into those. Rumor has it there's a really good question at the very end. The last question is the best question. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So excited for that. So uh, I'll go ahead and read the first question. So what's the biggest piece of advice you would give a new couple? Yeah, this was an awesome question. I would have to relate it right back to the four C's, which we just talked about. But communication is probably that biggest piece of advice that I would give a new couple. Because being in a new relationship, I feel like it can almost be walking on eggshells a little bit because you're getting to know this person. You are getting to know their likes, their dislikes what they want out of life, their goals, etc. And just being able to talk about it with them builds trust in the fastest way I know possible, just to be able to talk about your day, tell them what you've been doing, but then also listen to them and learn about them and what they enjoy doing, learning about their personality. That's, in my opinion, the fastest way to build trust in a new relationship. And so that's the piece of advice I would give to a new couple. And it definitely can be difficult because, you know, being open, you know, you're vulnerable. So communication is definitely, like she said, the the fastest way. But it's also, uh, it can be tough. So you have to kind of be aware that sometimes partners have a difficult time uh, communicating, you know, such as myself and how it's taken me a while to be open with Lauren, even though I trust Lauren to, you know, with my life. And so... We've been there for each other. So, that, I mean, that kind of all goes together. So, yeah, I agree. So, moving on to the second question. What's the most fun date you guys have done? Ooh, that is a tough one. You know, I could be cheesy and say, like, the first date was the most <laughs> fun. Because, you know, that's where it all started. But uh, we went to Fright Night. So, eh, you know, Fright Night's fine. But I think um, probably the best date or one of the most fun I've had on a date was a pretty simple one that we had in Florida. So my family used to rent a house in Florida and um, she came with us one time. And I just remember this particular night, we decided to go off on our own, uh, reserve a dinner. It might have been an anniversary now that I think about it. I don't, I don't remember. That's bad memory. Bad will. Um, but it was a nice dinner and, you know, we walked around, looked at shops, even though we weren't going to buy any of the fancy artwork or uh, knickknacks at different shops. And then after dinner, which was phenomenal, uh, we walked back on the beach to the house. And I just remember it just being a really fun time. And just one of those memories that sticks out in my head as like, it was just a really like great night with Lauren. 
So my most fun date, I'm going to start off with a double date idea because this one we've done it a few times now and it is so much fun, but going battle axe throwing with friends Ooh, yeah. is such a fun activity and there's so much to talk about. There's so much to do, laugh about. So definitely recommend finding one of those in your area. Even if you just get a bunch of your girlfriends to go, it's a really fun night. But then on our own, I am very much a homebody. So one of my most fun dates with Will was one Valentine's Day when we made an elaborate Valentine's Day dinner. It was one of our first times cooking together because we were in high school. So our parents cook most of our meals at that point. But we decided to cook for ourselves. We made a super fun dinner. We made chocolate-covered fruit. It was like chocolate-covered apples that we made into hearts, which were super cute. And then we had a picnic with it all in the back of my car with pillows and blankets, and we watched the sunset. So kind of just another one of those core memories where it wasn't anything fancy it wasn't a big fancy dinner um, at a super nice restaurant but just something that we did for ourselves and it will definitely go down as one of my favorite dates definitely definitely oh and this is a good question for you lauren um number three what's something i could do for my boyfriend to really show him how much i love him oh it's so my family is that type of family where we say I love you after every single interaction. So I also think it's important to show love alongside saying it all the time. And so one of the ways that I try to do this for Will is by taking note of times he may be stressed or have a lot of pressure put on him and make an effort to do the little things during that time to make him smile, take some of the responsibilities off of his shoulders. For example, like cooking him a really healthy dinner when he may have had to order takeout because he was too busy to cook. But I also think this is a good question to ask them. Ask your partner, ask your significant other, because it gets at their love language and you can make sure that you're doing the things that show them love rather than just doing whatever you think would make you feel most loved. It's a really good point in your relationship to deepen that communication and ask them about how they want to be shown love. Yeah, and even if, like, your partner says, like, nothing, like, you know, if they're like, oh, what, like, what do you want me to do? And they're like, oh, nothing, I'm fine. At least for me, I still appreciate that Lauren asks me all the time, even though I'm pretty sure she knows. I'm going to say, oh, nothing, I'm just stressed, I'm just busy. Um, because at least I know now in the back of my head, whenever I need her, she'll be that rock for me to, you know, fall onto and, you know, be able to pull myself back up, so... Yeah, and sometimes it's hard to ask people for help. Like, you hear this all the time, and I know it's definitely true in my life. It's hard to admit you're struggling. It's hard to admit that you need help. And especially at this age in our life where everyone's trying to be their own person and build that independence and show people that they're strong and capable, it can just take that little question that you ask somebody, like, hey, is there anything that I can do to support you? And feel free to take people up on that. Like you don't have to do it all yourself. The next question is a good one for us because we've been in the relationship a long time. So it's how do you keep the love new? Uh, this might make me seem a little lame. Maybe. I don't know. But I feel like a big cliche around relationships 
is that routines aren't good. Like they're boring. But I mean, like, I don't know, I guess talking about Lauren, you know, she loves her routines. So at least mm-hmm. I, I as well, you know, really love that good morning and good night texts. That familiarity, that routine of like talking to Lauren every day, like gets me going and it gets me through the day because I always know Lauren's going to be there. And so, you know, I think having a routine and then occasionally like dropping in new things into that routine keeps the love fresh, you know, like whether it's trying a new activity, like Lauren and I have continuously been going to this pool bar to try to go play pool with friends and it keeps getting ruined by something. It's one day it was like a pool league and the other day it was they were closed on a Tuesday. And so like we're going to keep trying to do this new activity, even like trying it and not actually doing it still kind of keeps things fresh because we're like, we really want to do this and we're going to keep trying. Also like cooking new meals together or like randomly buying flowers. Lauren has gotten into a tulip phase and I have been instructed to buy her tulips. So (laughs) or like even something small like a book or a video game. I remember one time randomly Lauren just bought me a video game that I had been wanting and uh, it was like just out of the blue and I know all my roommates were like what the heck like we're jealous our girlfriends don't buy us video games randomly and so it made me feel like special and uh, like it reminded me of how much how special Lauren is uh, to me so yeah and that actually kind of tied in with another question we got which is what are your all's favorite routines and so I would definitely say mine is what Will was talking about where it was like those good morning and good night texts and just the little things that we do daily for each other, um, saying I love you, et cetera, but then spicing it up with those fun additions is, I, I agree, that's how you keep the love new and interesting while also finding a balance in life with your significant other where they really become your rock and a stability and a source of constant in in your life. All right. So moving on to our next question, how has your relationship changed over the seven years? And Lauren, if you don't mind, I'll take the rein on this one. Yeah, go for it. So I think over the seven years, we kind of talked about this above about how, you know, we've been adding to our tool, toolbox of ways of showing compassion and definitely communication has changed. Levels of confidence have changed, you know, independence, all those four C's that we have already talked about. But just in general, we've both grown up a lot in seven years. And I think that's a, it's a plus because we've been able to see how each of us have turned into our own person and how our interests have changed. And, you know, it's been exciting for me to see how Lauren develops professionally, like I mentioned. And so... It's just been very interesting for me to see how she has found what she loves to do, including the Lively Pod and her Instagram, um, which has been awesome for me to see and and to support her through it. So just, you know, we've just been grown, we just grown up a lot. And luckily, you know, the person that I was captivated by in freshman year is continues to be the person that captivates me today and will continue to captivate me tomorrow. But, you know, I'm, I'm lucky for that. And so I think it's just been a, it's been amazing to grow up with her and yeah. Yeah, that was really well said. I would also like to add that like, there were so many big transitions that we supported each other through that 
have made a relationship a lot deeper than I think it would be if we started fresh today. Because like thinking about it, the transition to high school to college provokes a lot of growth, let alone freshman year of high school to senior year of college. And so I feel like we have just learned so much about each other, but we've also helped each other develop the confidence to grow out of our shells, go out of our comfort zones, and kind of provided that constant in such a drastically changing time of our lives. And so while our relationship has remained stable and we remain committed to each other, we've also grown stronger in kind of our individual aspects of life. Kind of like Will was saying, like choosing different career paths and having different friend groups and things like that, that has allowed us to grow stronger in our relationship as well. Okay, moving on. How do you maintain platonic friendships even with distance? This is a great question. Um, I think Lauren's going to have a lot to say because, or at least a little better perspective than I do, because Lauren stays in touch with someone who was like multiple states away and now uh, she's like out of country. And so that's a big one for Lauren. But also Lauren's been really close with her high school friends. Not to say that I don't, I'm not close to my high school friends. You know, I definitely don't do this enough, but communication, I think, is like the big, the big maintenance point for me, I think. Like I said, I don't do this enough. Should do it more because I love all my friends from high school and I love all the friends from growing up. And, you know, you never know when it will be your last time talking to someone not to get dark, but... You know, I had a close friend of mine pass away. So communication is just super important. So to answer your question, I think like, you know, talking to them all the time, keep them in the loop of your life, I think is important because it makes them feel like you still want them to like know what's going on and know how you're doing. Sometimes it's like finding a topic to talk about. So if like they're big into sports, like, you know, I've been, ah, well, I won't expose, my, I'll expose myself been into a little bit of a sports gambling moment not not big gambling just small but it keeps things interesting with me and my friends and it kind of has grown our relationship because like we all like watch games together now and like are like rooting for someone to score a touchdown or for someone to win and so it's interesting or like you know sometimes you can talk about politics with someone or if, um you know i had a close friend who was really into like physics and so like me and him talked about like physics and math all the time because you know we're nerds but yeah, so I think just like finding something, fi finding your niche with that person can really help with the distance because distance is tough. So, you know, it takes effort. I would agree that communication is the best way to do this. I personally try to call my friends from out of town once a week or like every other week just to catch up, even if it's just a five minute phone call or sometimes it can be hours long. Will and I are also in a few Snapchat groups with friends that send like random life vlogs and updates which makes it fun to keep in touch with more than one person because you can kind of get like a fun conversation going while updating everyone on your life at the same time and then my two close friends from high school and I created a traveling journal together which is a super fun way to stay connected we found the idea on TikTok and loved it I would also say getting fun ideas and inspirations from places like TikTok and Pinterest is a great way to do fun activities long distance if you're feeling bored or want more than just like that weekly phone call where you update them about your life and then go your separate ways. Finding things like this traveling journal or 
vlogging to each other, something like that can really add that creative spark that you would be doing fun activities with them if you were in person, but instead you're going to do fun activities with them long distance because those those ideas are out there. You just kind of have to go looking for them. Okay, but Lauren, how do we make time for each other during the busy times of school? We do a lot of studying together so that we spend quality time together while also prioritizing our work. This is kind of like a part of that independence, but also coming together to handle the stressful times. So for instance, like we try to get meals together during busy times so that we, since we both have to eat, like that's a requirement, but we use it as an opportunity to see each other, to catch up and enjoy a mental break without having to like make it a full date night. We don't have to go see a movie and go out to dinner and take up several hours. It can be a quick 20 minute meal And then we go our separate ways, but like we showed up for each other. We were there. We had a little mental break and then we go back to school and just like knowing that these busy seasons will pop up maybe at different times for each other or maybe at the same time and just giving each other the space that they need to get that busy time done is important. Favorite all-time quote of college is Lauren saying, do you want to get takeout tonight? Me going, oh, I'm doing work. And she responds with, well, you have to eat at some point. And I'm like, fair. All right. You're right. We have that conversation a lot where it's like, yeah, exactly that. Just, you have to eat at some point. Please make it with me. <laughs> and, I do. And he does. So compromise. Yeah. All right. So the last question, maybe my favorite question how do I get myself a Will Lane? <laughs> Not sure what that necessarily means, but Lauren, how did, I, how did you get a Will Lane? I wish I had the answer to this question because I think everyone needs a Will Lane uh-huh. in their life. But I think finding someone who you talk to like a best friend, who you love like family, and who you can count on at all times is a really good place to start. If there's one thing I want to emphasize in this podcast, it's that healthy relationships are work, but most importantly, they're worth the work. I would do anything for Will at this point if he needed me, and I believe and know that he would do the same for me. So finding the person that you don't mind putting in that extra effort for, and you will continuously choose to love them through the hard times and the good times, I think is how I found my version of willing and I think it's how you find your version of will and so every day I choose to love him and he chooses to love me back and so seven years later and I still continue to make that choice and I hope to always continue to make that choice so this is exactly where we wanted to end the episode today. It was a long one compared to previous episodes of the Lively Pod, but if you're listening still, thank you guys for taking the time out of your day to listen to Will and I talk about healthy relationships. I also just wanted to thank Will for being the first guest on the Lively Pod and having this conversation with me. Well, thank you for having me. I'm glad to be your first guest, and hopefully I'll come back again. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much for listening, and I will see you again next week for another episode of Wellness Wednesday. Happy Valentine's Day.